Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we hear the story of Nigeria and Leicester midfielder Wilfred Ndidi, who's a big star now, but as a teenager, he was selling groundnuts and selling water on the streets of Lagos and doing extra jobs to follow his dream. Sometimes after, after I finish selling, I go to the, the traffic lights, get the wiper and then start cleaning glasses for my own money because I, I needed to get football shoes. We'll hear how Ndidi's character and determination helped him along the way. Also analysis on the gripping title race in the English Premier League and Stewart's thoughts on Chelsea goalkeeper Kepa Arisa Balaga refusing to be substituted last weekend. That's all coming up, but first the refereeing controversies continue in African football as FIFA this week gave a life ban to Tanzanian referee Odin Charles Mbaga for taking bribes. Mbaga was an international referee and in January another international referee, Ibrahim Chaibu from Niger, was also banned for life. Last year an undercover documentary by a Ghanaian journalist led to eight Ghanaian referees being banned for life and 53 received 10-year bans. Fans. Elsewhere, fans in Zambia are hoping for better times ahead after the Football Association of Zambia will not be renewing coach Sven Vandenbroek's contract when it expires next month. The Belgian came in on a short-term deal last year but failed in his objective of qualifying the Chipolo Polo to this year's Africa Cup of Nations with the team bottom of the group. Local coaches Agre Chiangi and Numba Mumamba are taking over. So we've been speaking to Nigeria and Leicester midfielder Wilfred Ndidi. Ndidi is only 22 but has 77 appearances for Leicester and 22 for Nigeria, including playing at last year's FIFA World Cup, where he featured in all three of the Super Eagles games there in Russia. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Ndidi and first asked about Leicester's up-and-down form. This interview, by the way, was recorded before the Foxes fired manager Claude Puel last weekend. I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, it's just there's some good moments, there's some bad times, and it's just football. We, we try to learn from our mistakes and try to grow. So I think, I think we will, will actually do better you know because we have the players we have we have the good coach we have the uh, the manager and all the, the 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 people behind the team so and the fans also i think we 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 just have everything in our hands you know they linked you with manchester they linked you with liverpool they keep linking you with top clubs but you've signed a new contract with leicester to, to, to extend your stay at the club you're enjoying life with the club yeah yeah of course uh leicester is is a very nice city and uh, everywhere I go, um, I'm always, uh, I'm always welcome and all like that. So it's not about, yeah, those link. Or I, I didn't really, I didn't really know until people tell me. But I just see they just mere speculations, and there was no real, real deal in it. But I just, I want, I, I always wanted to stay in Leicester. Uh, I think for me, it's a good decision to also develop for the future also. So. It's good to see you smile, but it has not always been like this for you in your career. I mean, you mentioned the things that you have to do 
to survive as a, as, as a boy? What, what were the things you had to do? Yeah, uh, actually, even when I was doing that, I was still smiling because, you know what, I believe what is in your hands is what you have. It's your own, you know. So I think all those times I was, I sold groundnuts, I sold pure water, I was jack of all trade. Uh, sometimes after, after selling, I was doing all that for my mom because my dad is a soldier, he's still serving, and he was not with us. So I was doing that for my mom. And sometimes after, after I finish selling, I go to the, the traffic lights, get the wiper, and then start cleaning glasses for my own money because I, I needed to get football shoes. So all those times, I, I've, always, I've always wanted to play football. So sometimes I don't get to go to training because I was hawking. So, but everything turned out fine, everything is fine, everything is okay. But I think looking back is just something I have to be thankful for and be grateful and how God has been great to me, so, yes. Some boys lose their way in that position, you know, they could go into drugs, they could go into alcohol and all of that, but something kept you going. What was it? Why, why, do, you, why do you realize that's not for me? Uh, there, were, there, there were temptations of not really drugs or anything, but making fast money. Well, I was still young. Uh, my mom always tell me I'm still young. I just, I've always, I've always take things as they come and embrace the, the, the little things I have. So the ones I have, I appreciate them. So I don't really look towards the big things. I just want to be happy, you know. So that alone has, has made my mom to actually give me the chance to actually go for football, you know. Because I wanted to play football. Even sometimes my dad is around. When my dad was around, uh, he never wanted me to. But my dad, my mom would create space for me and then and lie to my dad and say, oh, she, she sends me on an errand or something like that. So, Bob, it was part of my story. Well, I'm happy. I'm grateful. Then you look at people thinking you've had it easy. They don't know your story. <laughs> it has never been easy. Even till now, it's never easy. Because uh, we play, we, yeah, before we play, we have to work out for playing. The team has to do well to make everything go smooth. So we're still working. We're still trying our best to forget about the fame and all these things. We're still hustling. We're still working. So I think most people just see and then say, oh, everything is fine. No, we are humans. Every, not everything is fine. Sometimes you lose a game and then you feel bad and then most people don't think, most people think you just go there and just lose a game on purpose. No, we are humans also. We, we have our lives. We, we try to bring out the best and make everything go well. But sometimes it doesn't, but we just have to learn. Where do you learn to become? Where do you learn to become? Some people lose their heads, you know, like when you lose a game, people insult you, and, but you, you keep smiling, you just laugh, and you still have time to sign autographs. And where do you get that calmness from? Uh, I always believe that everything will not go smooth. So even when it comes like this and like this and like this, uh, your reaction will, will be very important, you know. If you lose and you're so down, and then it will reduce your chance of having the confidence to go to the next round. But I think... Yeah, I feel bad when I lose. I, 
I, I, I get angry, but I don't get to show it. I don't get to go, but I just know that there's, there's another chance to make it better. If there was no chance, okay, but there's another chance too. So, but we'll just take it. Finally, you must be looking forward and fighting hard to play in your first African Cup of Nations. Of course, the World Cup is gone. Yeah, everyone wants to play for every player wants to play for the World Cup. So yeah, we 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 didn't really go as far as we wanted. But the Nations Cup is another opportunity to actually do something great and correct the mistakes of the World Cup. So I think for me as a player, I'm really looking forward to it. So it starts now. It's not about then. It's, it's starting now. We have the chance too. So we have to take it. So that's Nigeria and Leicester midfielder Wilfred Ndidi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Quite a story, Solomon. Ndidi was selling ground nuts and water, cleaning car windscreens in Lagos as a teenager. But he said there that he was cleaning the windscreens with a purpose, to buy football boots. What do you make of his story? Well, Steve, listening to the story of Wilfred Ndidi is just a story of uh, sheer determination, story of somebody with, uh, with a vision at a very young age, perseverance, someone who's very patient. You know, for you at that age to become a hawker, to sell groundnuts in the streets and sell pure water, you know, like we call it in Nigeria, and also cleaning windscreen in the city of Lagos, you know, where you have a lot of options of really doing other things to be able to buy your football boots. You know, I think this story is just an amazing story because we see him today in the colors of Leicester, playing in the best league in the world, the English Premier League. And we think it was a, a rosy ride, but we didn't know that he had to fund for himself. And that's the story of, of most successful people that we see, you know. And we have to connect to these stories because... Life is, like he said, is going to be ups and downs. Things are going to go on well and things may not go well. But at a very young age, for you to be able to be focused, to be composed and look at your goals and your target and say, look, this is what I have to do. That's sheer determination that we all can, can relate to and we all need in our lives to know that the next step is there, but how to get to the next step is also as important as the next step. And life is normally like that, no matter who you are. Be, you don't have to be a footballer to connect to this story. This is just a sheer story of someone, like he said, who had allowed God, who he believes in, Jesus, to be able to, to lead him and direct him and to put his confidence in him. You know, that's also important for you to, to believe that, you know, your life is in the hands of God and uh, you're just going to stay focused and stay determined and go all the way. An inspiring story. And now Ndidi there was asked about whether he was tempted to get into drug abuse, but he says the temptation for him was rather to make fast money uh, through crime, presumably, but he says he managed to avoid that temptation. Uh, here in Zimbabwe, drug and alcohol abuse is the downfall of many talented players, and Ndidi shows that as well as the talent, you have to have the right character to make it in life and to make the most of that talent. The right character means that, you know, there are certain temptations that you have to say no to. The right character means, you know, you have to be able to focus on things that are more important to you. You can wait for certain things, you know. The right character means that you're not, you wouldn't want to 
cut corners to make money you know as a footballer you know you need to rest your body so you know you need to take care of your body your body needs to be healthy so there's no point putting drugs inside of you uh as a footballer you know you don't have to throw away games uh for for money so you know that that is important for you to be able to focus and have integrity and and it's not just for footballers you know it cuts across every area of life as as a husband or as a young person uh, whatever you do your character is so important your character is really who you are it's not about what you have and what you have accumulated but your character is the summary of who you are your character in trying to persevere trying to be patient trying to be faithful trying to show integrity uh, all through what you go through trying to say no to certain temptations and distractions that would come around to take your focus of what you want to achieve either through your education or through your business or through your profession you know your career that's always important and and if we allow the distractions to take us away we're either not going to achieve our goal or we're not going to achieve our goal the way what we had intended it to uh, and uh, you know, indeed, the story clearly shows that uh, talent is not enough. You know, you cannot just say you have the talent or you have the skill or you're gifted or you're educated. Uh, so you're going to be a success in life. No, character needs to go with your talent. Character needs to go with your success, with your uh, education, with your skill, with that special gift that God has given you. And that's the summary of it all. And uh, Solomon, I was somewhat surprised when Ndidi says that it's not easy now. You'd think that it is easy now, earning a big salary at a good English Premier League club. But he says that he still has to work hard and deal with the pressure. I guess these are different challenges now. For you to be able to maintain your first team jersey, you have to be to give your best. You have to train harder. You have to make a lot of sacrifices. You have to deny yourself certain things. You have to make sure you sleep early, you know, instead of going to the nightclub. Uh, You know, you have to make sure that you stay focused. You have to make sure that you eat well. You take care of your body. Different challenges. You will lose games sometimes. Uh, You know, when you lose games, how do you handle it? Uh, You would get to a place where you're not in the first 11. What would you do? What sort of attitude would you have? You know, so there are different challenges in that you know straight out of the street of lagos to the bright lights of leicester you would think everything is going to be smooth and okay but that's not the story of ndidi and that's not the story of a lot of us also thanks solomon and a lot of wisdom there from wilfred ndidi what is in your hands is what you have but you need hard work discipline and focus to make the most of what you have This week on social media, we're asking for your thoughts on this. How important is good character if you are to achieve your dreams? We heard that Wilfred and Didi did extra jobs cleaning car windscreens to get money to buy football boots to follow his dream and that he avoided the temptation to get fast money. He was hardworking, determined and focused. So how important do you think that good character is if you are to achieve your dreams? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Uh, So that interview with Wilfred and Didi was, as I said, recorded before the managerial changes at Leicester, with Claude Puel fired on Sunday and former Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers appointed two days later on Tuesday. Our European football expert Stuart Weir is with us. Uh, Stuart, what are your thoughts uh, on this? Well, 
Steve, it's hard to believe that three years ago, Leicester City were Premier League champions. Since then, the club just seems to have been a shambles. Ranieri was fired halfway through the season, months after he'd taken them to that Premier League title. Craig Shakespeare, his successor, lasted eight months. Uh, Claude Puel has now gone after a season and a half. Puel is French, managed four teams in France and then at Southampton, where I thought he did really well. But he was fired after one season. And if you look at the Leicester City team that lost 4-1 at home to Crystal Palace in Puel's last game, only three of their Premier League championship winning team were actually playing. And of course, a major criticism of Puel is that Jimmy Vardy, Leicester's top striker and one of the best strikers in England, but Puel is playing a system that just doesn't suit him. Now, his replacement, Brendan Rodgers, has been spectacularly successful as manager of Celtic. But there again, if you have the best players, the most money, and not a lot of opposition, you'd expect to be successful. Rodgers took Swansea City into the Premier League in 2011, helped them survive the following season before going to Liverpool for four seasons. Now, he took Liverpool to second place in the Premier League in 2014, but after that, they were sixth and eighth, and things seemed to be going backwards, and he was off to Celtic. Personally, I think it's unlikely that he will do more than maintain Leicester City as a middle-of-the-table club. Now, we understand that Rodgers' assistant at Celtic, the Ivorian legend Colo Torre, will be joining him at Leicester. And it's really great to see him being given a chance to work in the Premier League. Yes. Thanks, Stuart. Do stay with us and we'll see uh, what lies ahead now for Leicester under Brendan Rodgers. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Brazil's Kaká, plus pictures and profiles of the whole team in the About Us section. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now we turn to social media, and on last week's show, we looked at why some top Moroccan players based in Europe are choosing to move to Gulf nations like Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Mehdi Benatia left Juventus and chose to move to Qatar instead of Manchester United. Many other Africans have joined clubs in Gulf countries where the money can be good, but we asked if it is a good destination for African players. On Facebook first, and Vin Asher D. Pakamwa in Malawi says, yes, it's a good move for African players because they can earn more money. On WhatsApp, Odipo Morris in Kenya agrees, saying these are career footballers. They have to offer their services where they are paid well, says Odipo. But Mohamed Ba in the Gambia says, I don't think it is a good destination for Africans because the leagues in the Gulf countries are not too competitive. Our Gambian Steve Trawali has joined Al-Shabaab recently. Blessings Nirenda is in Malawi. The problem is how wealthy Africa is as a continent, says Blessings. Most African players target money which the Gulf countries have, but there's not good quality football. And Joachim Mudanga in Uganda takes that point further. I think they're looking both to earn more money and also to face less demands from the teams in the league, says Joachim. 
Meanwhile, Mariam Mane in The Gambia quotes a former United States president, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Mariam says if African players want to play good and professional football, then Europe is the best for them. The Gulf countries are not for ambitious African players trying to win world-class trophies. According to Abraham Lincoln, says Mariam, teach him to sell his talents and brains to the highest bidder, but never to put a price tag on his heart and soul. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Mariam. Alfred Bezai in Malawi agrees with our correspondent Jalal Bonoa in Morocco, who we spoke to last week. The Gulf is not a good destination for career development, but it is a good destination for the financial reward of players, says Alfred. That's why African players should go there when they're towards the end of their careers. Mohamed in the Gambia says, yes, I think it's a good destination because if they want their families to get closer to the Islamic religion, then it's the best place for them. Indeed, that was a reason given by Mehdi Benatia for his move from Juventus. Uh, Daniel in Ghana understands why players go at the end of their careers to the Gulf. No one plays for charity. These players have one or another reason for going, but the main focus is money, says Daniel. Dan Ogega in Kenya doesn't believe a move to the Gulf is good for any player who wants to reach their potential. The competition in the European leagues is good for African players as they do come back with invaluable experience, says Dan. In Nigeria, Obina agrees. Uh, Mehdi Benatia said he chose Qatar because he wanted his children to grow up in a Muslim country, says Obina. However, I think it's not a good destination for young African players because the football over there is not as high a standard as it is in Europe. I think the African players go there to be paid huge money, says Obina. Desmond Tunde Koka in Sierra Leone agrees, saying for most there's no pension after football, so I understand why some of these players do go there for the money. Uh, Clement in Ghana believes money shouldn't be the only driving force for young African players. As a player, I think it's extremely significant that you play in a competitive league just to help you to achieve greatness, says Clement. And finally, Bobby Brown, also in the Gambia, says the Gulf is a good destination because they'll be in the field all the time playing for their team. Also, they'll pay less tax in the Gulf so they can save money for their future when they leave football. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Very interesting contributions uh, this week. And apologies if we didn't have time to read out yours. Uh, so, Stuart, what do you make of this uh, going to the Gulf nations? Uh, the money is good. Question marks about the standard. Although the 2022 FIFA World Cup host Qatar are certainly showing some improvement. Well, Steve, I was surprised to find out that there are 24 African players in the United Arab Emirates, 32 in Qatar and 51 in Saudi Arabia. As you might expect, the majority of the players are from North Africa, 17 from Morocco, 15 from Egypt, 14 from Algeria and 13 from Tunisia. But a total of 23 nationalities are currently playing in the top three leagues in the Middle East. And by the way, there are three from Cape Verde. You know, this program is always fascinated to discover how many players there are from that small island playing all over the world. I don't think the standard would compare with any of the top 10 leagues in Europe, but the money is certainly pretty good. Most of the players are not ones you're likely to have heard of, but there are exceptions. Samuel Eto'o, who made his name in Italy and Spain and now aged 37, is currently playing in Qatar. As is the Ivorian Wilfred Bonny, on loan from Swansea City. And also in Qatar, there's Yannick Zagbo from Côte d'Ivoire, who played for Wolves in Hull City, and Nadir Bahadi from Algeria, who spent some time in Portsmouth. So 
players who played in England are getting there. And of course, Qatar is certainly on the up as far as the national team goes. But I, I think that the league, as I say, has a long way to go. Now, of the 51 players in Saudi Arabia, that includes Norden Amrabat from Morocco, who, of course, played several years for Watford in the Premier League, and the Nigerian Ahmed Musa, who was at Leicester City, but didn't really play a lot. And we've previously talked in this programme, Steve, about Steve Trawali, the Gambian player who spent four years in China, and he's now in Saudi Arabia. I think that most of the comments made by our listeners are absolutely right, that it's a good place to earn a living, but it's not going to do a lot for your career. And if you can get to Europe, it's going to be a much better bet football-wise. So in summary, it will help your bank balance, but it probably won't enhance your career. And of course, there are some challenges in playing football in really hot countries. Yes, and I'm sure we will continue to see a lot of players making their way to those Gulf nations. Let's turn to the English Premier League, Stuart. Lots to talk about after the midweek matches. Yes, with Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal and Manchester United all winning midweek and Chelsea beating Tottenham, there really is very little change at the top. Liverpool lead Manchester City by one point, with Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United and Chelsea, four clubs fighting for the remaining two Champions League places. Part of the reason that Liverpool's lead has been cut to one point is that they could only draw nil-nil with Manchester United in an extraordinary game last Sunday where Manchester United had four players injured in the first half and had three subs on before half-time and leaving Marcus Rashford, frankly, limping but staying on the pitch. Chelsea, though, bounced back from a run of defeats, beating Tottenham. And for Tottenham, it was a second successive defeat in the Premier League, which really ends their chances of winning. Arsenal beat Bournemouth 5-1 and Liverpool beat its place Watford 5-0 to continue this crazy season in which so many teams are scoring four or five goals in games which on paper look quite close. And there are five African goals midweek. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Divrock Origi, two for Sadio Mane, and one for Steve Mounier. At the bottom of the table, Southampton beat Fulham and Cardiff City lost to Everton, meaning that Cardiff City now drop into the bottom three to replace Southampton. And there's no break this coming weekend because Tottenham are at home to Arsenal and Liverpool are away to Everton in the Merseyside derby. And then next week, Tottenham and Manchester United play their second leg Champions League games. The fixtures are coming thick and fast, Steve. Absolutely. Well, it really is a very intriguing battle in the English Premier League this season. And Stuart, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Kepa Ariza Balaga controversy as the Chelsea goalkeeper refused to be substituted during Sunday's EFL Cup final defeat to Manchester City. And so many fans have been talking about this. Well, Steve, we should be talking about Manchester City winning the first trophy of the season and Chelsea putting up an excellent performance, uh, taking them to penalties. But all the talk is about that amazing incident how Mauricio Sarri decided at the end of 120 minutes to replace Kepa with Willy Caballero, the vastly experienced number two keeper who has a reputation as a penalty saver. And of course, Kepa refused to come off. Now, had that incident occurred under Alex Ferguson, I can tell you without any doubt the player concerned would never have played for the club again because challenging the manager's authority 
would not have been tolerated. Chelsea initially issued a statement saying it was a misunderstanding and that the player had been fined. But come Wednesday, Kepa was not playing, but he was on the bench. So to me, that's mixed signals. But it also tells you so much about the chaos at Chelsea. Sarri simply does not have the authority to take a hard line in the way Alex Ferguson would have done. Frankly, it's exceedingly unlikely that Sarri will survive to the start of next season as Chelsea face yet another season out of the Champions League. So I suppose if Chelsea are planning to fire Sarri, they probably don't want to lose a goalkeeper for whom they paid $90 million. And it tells you so much about the weakness of the manager's position. But incidentally, uh, Steve, as we did talk about a few weeks ago, if Chelsea do want to get rid of Kepa, it won't be a total crisis as they do have 13 other professional goalkeepers under contract. Just one other comment on that match. There was some criticism of Eden Hazard, who took the final Chelsea penalty in the so-called Panenka penalty, chipping the ball into the center of the goal. Clever, but high risk. Incidentally, it's called Panenka after the Czech player who first did it in the 1976 European Championship final. But Hazard was accused of not caring and not taking the situation seriously. And that adds to speculation that this will be his last season at Chelsea. Sure. Well, thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. Uh, so from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.